It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Test, test. So how do we do? You guys did fantastic. Excellent. Uh, 10 out of 10 for uh, new students. And since you had some experience, um, I think you both improved significantly. I think we did. Yeah. So my worst um, near miss was almost getting entangled in a fishing line. Actually, I think your worst near miss. When I almost hit the boat. Yeah, you didn't, <laughs> I had you, two. you didn't see it. You didn't see it, but I gave you some quick commands. Paddle forward, quick, quick. I was going for my phone. You so wanted I could me to get a concussion it. crashing into a boat. I didn't want you to get a concussion, but if it was going to happen, I wanted to make sure I had it on film. It's the journalist thing to do. <laughs> Welcome to Total SF Heather Knight and our Crane Cove paddleboarding episode. And I'm so upset I didn't capture video when you almost crashed into some dude's yacht. <laughs> I'm very glad that you didn't have your video. You probably would have fallen in the water if you tried to take it. I don't know that I would have. I think I could have gone Indian style. My worry was that if I lost control of my paddle, I might have crashed into the same yacht while filming you. <laughs> so it wasn't altruistic and it wasn't for fear of falling in the water. It was that I thought I might myself crash into the same yacht. <laughs> well, you guys were trying to get me to paddle to a very specific place for a photo, but obviously there are currents and tides, which makes it hard to stay in one exact spot. So I blame you. Okay. Well, you can blame me, but we covered this in the episode. This is a wonderful episode. Um, I like how we're really good friends after four years, but at the point where we're in a crisis, the instinct is still to capture <laughs> video to promote the podcast. Yeah. We still want to make each other look bad in a in a moment of crisis. And, and support the Chronicle. Support our <laughs> Chronicle product, um, even if it means falling in the water. Fantastic time. I had a great time out on the water. I swore after last year's uh, swim in the bay when I almost drowned, another crisis, I would not go back into the bay. I am so glad we did. Me too. It was a lot of fun. And I finally got some tips that made me a better paddleboarder. I've tried it several times and never really knew what I was doing. But this is what I needed to actually paddle in a specific direction. Although, except for the time I almost crashed into the boat. So I like to say our paddleboarding adventure started with you because you got some paddleboards for Christmas. And I have to admit, I see people do it. It looks super hard. When you got them, I thought, she's going to do it once. And then those paddle boards are going to be in the garage. Not true. You are a paddle boarding family. And now we are a paddle boarding podcast. We are. It's a great sport. Everybody should try it. It's easier than it looks. The key is to get a good instructor, which we had in Adam Zolot. Um, he started paddle boarding during the pandemic, was not a paddle boarder as a profession. Then in January 2021, started offering lessons, put together youth camps, opened Dog Patch Paddle on 18th Street, and now they have like 1,200 members in the Dog Patch Paddle Club on Facebook. And later this year, he'll be moving into Building 49 at Crane Cove with the YMCA of San Francisco. 
really uplifting story. I really liked meeting him in addition to going out on the bay and getting some expert advice with my paddle boarding. Yes, this is actually a rare happy story of a small business flourishing in San Francisco. And it's a happy story of the city actually following through on a promise. Granted, it took a decade of building that beautiful park at Crane Cove. So a happy story that we all can use. Yeah, and um, we'll get into that. We'll talk a little bit about the history of Crane Cove. This is a Crane Cove and paddle boarding episode. And we'll get to meet Clay the Seal. Clay or Chase, there's been some discussion on Twitter what our Seal's name is. I like the Chase idea because we did encounter him right outside Chase Center. Yeah, either way, he is part of our podcast now. He's part of the crew. Um, You're going to hear Sandra Halliday's voice. We met Sandra during our Scrap episode, and she set up the interview. She's great. Thank you very much. And you can find out more about paddleboarding. Adam will get you started at dogpatchpaddle.com. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight and Clay the Seal. Or Chase. And this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Adam Zolot, welcome to Total SF. Thank you. It's great to be here. And thank you for giving us a paddleboarding lesson. We just paddleboarded from Crane Cove to Chase Center and a little beyond and back, and nobody died. We lived to tell the tale. We didn't get eaten by seals. <laughs> Those were really cute seals, though. We found a family of them. They were. They, they, they live there, and not many people know that there's that kind of wildlife uh, that close to shore. The fishermen are not as friendly. No. <laughs> well, we were, like, rolling right into their lines, Heather, so... Uh, so how do adults go compared to kids? And I'll be blunt, when you see like a guy like me in, in his early 50s and Heather's coming out, she's much younger, but much. you know, but we have a lot to learn. Are we harder to teach than a kid? Yes. <laughs> um, children are sponges and, um, and they absorb uh, the information. I think part of it is out of fear. Um, that the, the wide expanse of the bay is a little intimidating to them. So they want to be uh, good and they want to be safe. They're also pretty competitive with their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but most importantly, I think kids have a lower center of gravity. So paddleboarding can be easier for them um, because they're just simply closer to the board and less, less distance to fall in. <laughs> <laughs> and they like falling in sometimes. They often will just jump in um, unprompted. Um, <laughs> And luckily, the, the bay has, has gotten a lot cleaner uh, than, I think, years past when this was uh, kind of a barren wasteland over yeah. here. Um, the port did a really good job of, of cleaning up the water over here. So um, while I don't think swimming is recommended from the shore here, when you're out at a distance, jumping in is not problematic. Mm-hmm. So we saw a seal or a sea lion. I never know. Those were harbor seals. Harbor seals. They were super close. Like, yes. I think they were violating COVID protocols. I had <laughs> one come about three feet away from me. Is that typical? Very common. Um, we, we tell the kids at our summer camps that they're to remain 50 feet away from all wildlife. But if they happen to come closer, then just remain calm, let them do their thing. The seals are curious more than anything. They're not aggressive. They've never climbed on our boards. Um, but it can be a little nerve-wracking to have a seal that close to you. Yeah, I didn't know at the time what what his disposition was. There's no seal attacks out here? Haven't had one yet, knock on wood. Lots other, of sharks, though. What other wildlife have you seen? Um, so we see uh, sea lions. 
um, which we, we like to teach the kids the difference between the seals and the sea lions. We see a lot of pelicans, uh, we see cormorants, we see great blue herons, we see bat rays, and if we're really lucky, we can see um, harbor porpoise, wow. which were gone from the bay for 65 years. About 10 years ago, they started coming back, and occasionally you'll see them frolicking out there. I, I was out there and it just seemed like you were as comfortable out there as you are on land, like you've been doing this all your life. Um, is that the case or is this kind of a newer career for you? So I grew up uh, at the Jersey Shore um, near Atlantic City on the beach. So water sports have always been a part of my life. But paddleboarding, I only started taking, uh, 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 took it up about five years ago. Um, and it was purely recreational. Um, and, and occasional up until about two and a half years ago when the pandemic started. Um, it was a very convenient way for me to get outdoors and exercise during the pandemic. So um, I, I did not really go deep into it until I was locked down and, and got antsy and needed something to do. What were you doing before, before this? Uh anything related to what you're doing now? So I started my career in adventure travel. So uh, for 12 years, I had a travel business focused on Southeast Asia and South Asia. Um, and kayaking was a big part of that, scuba diving and mountain biking and trekking and things like that. So I had an adventure background, but um, September 11th uh, made the travel industry really difficult. So I closed my business uh, about a year after September 11th and I got into tech. So I had been in tech for quite a while. Um, and the pandemic um, made my most recent tech business uh, quite a challenge. So we wound up closing it in March of 2020, um, right at the start of the pandemic. And I wasn't doing anything pretty much that entire year except paddleboarding. Um, this park, Crane Cove, opened in September of 2020. So I started a club that was... Um, designed to just help people share information and connect on what paddling would be like here because going out on the bay can be intimidating. So the Dog Patch Paddle Club was formed uh, in September of 2020. Um, and you told us that you moved into um, an apartment here like 10, 12 years ago? 12 years ago, I, I have been living in the building that looks out on the park here. That's my apartment right there. Um, and they told me when I moved in that there would be a park built across the street. Um, ten years later, we finally got it. Up until that point, this was ABS Seafood was here for a while, and then they moved. Um, so this was left abandoned, and it was just warehousey sort of buildings with feral cats and you know warring rats and raccoons out here um, until the port really started to build this out, and um, it took quite a while, but. We're very thankful that it's here. It's an oasis in the city, frankly. Warring rats and raccoons. I'm sorry, I got to go back to that. What, what, what kind of war? <laughs> it was, you would just hear yelps coming from uh, our, my balcony, literally looks over here. Yeah. And um, it, was, it, it was just left so disheveled and abandoned, and nobody would cross over the fences into here. So I think um, that wildlife took it over. Um, and. Uh, I don't know where they've been displaced, but thankfully they're not here right now. Go, going back even further, do you know much about what was here even before that? Because I understand, I mean, shipbuilding back to the 1800s yeah. um, and, and then later on Bethlehem Steel was here. And I know they made the, uh, 
the BART tubes yes. right nearby here. Yeah, so it originally started in the late 1800s. Um, Pier 70 was a massive shipbuilding industry, um, and they were doing things um, on steam power. Um, in the 1940s, to support the war effort, um, things were converted over into electric, and they were building a lot of um, warships um, for the U.S. military here. Um, this building that I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, Building 49, was the galvanizing shop for uh, the shipbuilding. And um, after the war, they uh, they stopped needing the the level of shipbuilding, so they had to repurpose the the processes over here and that's when um, the the tubes were built uh, for the Bay Bridge so uh, you know in in the late 70s I think it just fell into disrepair the only active part of it was um, the uh, dry dock which kept going until 2017 there were ships coming in and out of the dry dock being lifted out of the water and being repaired you'd have cruise ships and tankers so I would see that regularly from uh, my balcony um, up until about 2017, and now that is no longer in use. It, it's such an incredible history. I mean, USS Charleston, one of the first steel-hulled boats, I think, was built and launched here and fought in the Spanish-American War, you know. And then we come up till now. How did this all happen? So, I, you know, I just think that there aren't a lot of opportunities to launch personal watercraft in the bay. You have Aquatic Park to the north, but if you leave the arms of Aquatic Park, you wind up in some of the, the you know, wildest rip currents that can drag you out underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, I think the port saw an opportunity to, um, to basically create a, a protected cove where paddleboarders, kayakers, um, rowers, can uh, can launch and have a pretty substantial area between the dry dock and Pier 50 where you can paddle without the fear of being pulled out. Mm -hmm. And what is it like after living here for so long and seeing the feral cats and the warring <laughs> raccoons and then we now finally have this beautiful park and we're seeing families picnic and people kayaking and having fun. The cats and the raccoons have been placed by paddleboarders and kayakers. It was amazing. Immediately upon opening, um, we so I started the club and the club went from dozens of members to hundreds of members. Now we've got 1,200 members on our club on wow. Facebook. And it, there was clearly a demand. People were interested in um, in learning. Um, a lot of people who joined had never paddled or kayaked before, but they saw it as an opportunity to learn. So ultimately, um, th the park has become this, this beacon for anybody in town who wants to take up um, water sports. And um, on the weekends, it's just mobbed here. So if, if somebody is interested in taking up paddle boarding, I don't recommend you buy a paddle board and just go straight out into the bay. I think that there are, as you saw, there are things to know, um, whether it be technique or understanding tides and currents, um, that you know, it, it makes sense to have um, some sort of a foundation. So the group was designed to share that information. So on the Facebook group, there's back and forth chatter about equipment. Um, and I've published a bunch of articles on, um, on routes to paddle around here, on safety, on techniques, on equipment, um, as well as uh, I, I put a webcam up on my balcony so that anybody can look down here and see conditions um, and understand what's happening out on the water mm -hmm. uh, at any given time. So there's a lot of resources available through the club and on my 
website that um, that can help people to, to get started. How, how accessible is this sport? Because like a lot of people, I saw people doing it and thought, I can't do that. I'm going to fall in, which I did once. Not today. <laughs> um, but uh, I saw uh, photos that Heather sent me of you with kids. And I mean, they seem really natural with it. How accessible is this for someone who just wants to start from, from nothing? Anybody can paddleboard, in my opinion. If you learn the technique properly, you can paddleboard. The key for us is that we want to have people who can swim first. Um, so the barrier for me, for the camps or for adult programs, is that I ask that you be a fairly strong swimmer. Um, and once, once you have that, then I can teach you how to paddleboard. And I've had people come to me who've said, They've never been able to get it. They constantly fall in. I have a very dear friend who every time they go on vacation and try to paddleboard, they send me videos of him falling in. <laughs> and if, if you're patient and you spend time and you have the right conditions, then I think anybody can learn. I felt like looking out as we went out, like I felt like, oh, I could just go to Alameda right now. This all looks chill. It is not, correct? No. I mean, there's, there's a, this is kind of a special space, it seems like, here that we, we got to go out on. Yes, doing, doing a bay crossing is not advised um, unless you're a very aggressive, experienced, hardcore paddleboarder. Because once you get past the dry dock here, you start to get into real currents. It's, do you ever do that? I've been out there but I, I don't choose to do it on uh -huh. the regular. I'm, I'm a fair weather paddler myself. I don't sup surf, which a lot of people do. Um, I like, go, it, for me, it's like hiking on the water. It's, it's leisurely, but I get good exercise. Um, I'm very close to a lot of wildlife, um, and I feel completely uh, separate from the city. City life disappears the moment that I leave the cove here, and I feel like I'm in a wilderness. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I do not choose to, to try to do things like cross the bay or go out to Alcatraz. We'll be right back after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And there's so many people who live in San Francisco who never get out on the bay, let alone in, like so close to the water with a paddleboard or a kayak. What would you say to people who, who think this sounds weird or scary. It's interesting because on our advertisements on Facebook, the greatest comments that I get is that people either comment that the water's too cold or that the water's too dirty. And I disagree with both. I think, you know, there's certainly a, a, a level of toxicity in the waters here, but it's measured daily. Um, and we get reports um, from SF Water that talk about what is safe and what is not. And it mostly has to do with sewage runoff. So at, at, uh, uh, when there's significant rains, um, you might get a, a beach posted, which means it's not recommended to go in. But for the most part, 99.9% .9 of the time, the water toxicity is fine. And surprisingly, it's not that cold. Um, you know, it, it, you luckily didn't fall in today, but if you did, on a sunny day like this, it's actually refreshing and you dry off pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so people who are hesitant to do this or don't quite get it, I recommend coming and trying it because it is 
so satisfying and rewarding and it's the most accessible wilderness from the city you literally come down to the dog patch and leave and you're out in um you know in in a very uh robust and um and fulfilling wildlife uh uh area where where can where can we go like from this launch point mm-hmm. can i theoretically go to McCovey Cove, uh, that area where the houseboats are? What What is accessible from here realistically for someone, you know, with our skill level? So first off, we publish a map. So um, if you go to the Facebook group or my website, you can access the map. And there are routes on there and they're, they're, they're listed with levels. And we have big exclamation points of the places where you have to be very conscious of the tides and the conditions when you pass a certain point. So here at the dry dock at the corner or at, um, where the Cape Hudson boat is at the end of Pier 50, we have exclamation points and if you click on that it tells you the factors that you need to consider when you're heading over. My recommendation is if you want to go to McCovey Cove by all means, I, I do it probably once a week um, and the key is to go just um, around the low tide so that um, as the water is going out, it's at your back, so maybe an hour before low tide, and then you go up underneath the 3rd and 4th Street bridges, past the houseboats, you can go over to um, the Mission Creek Park. By the time you come back, the tide is moving in, so you have it at your back um, behind you returning. As long as you're careful with that and you're not going out when it's super windy and choppy, um, it's it's definitely doable and then in the other direction you can go down to pier 70 warm water cove east lice creek and those are more industrial funky paddles where you get to see the ruins of pier 70 which is a view of san francisco not a lot of people have seen and there's stunning views of the downtown framed by uh this this industrial reconstruction that's happening there we should try that sometime i was rewarded with a new seal friend um, kind of just <laughs> said hey name him, Peter? yeah hey what's up uh we already i don't know what should we name him norton is too easy yeah, we, we already, already have norton. we already have a norton herb is too herb would be good herb or lou good. lou seal like yeah, the, not the mascot that's not bad it's pretty pretty chill seal but what what kinds of wildlife do you see out there and then i'm going to have a follow-up shark question so <laughs> include that in there too we see a lot of different wildlife out there um Harbor seals are pretty common, and I actually know the spot where to see them, so it's great when I bring kids out that I know there's going to be a reward for them um, if there's a low tide and we go in front of the Chase Center. Um, we see sea lions that are usually perched on um, the propeller of the, um, the Cape Hudson boat out at the end of Pier 50, so that's also sort of a known reward for the kids. Um, but we'll see lots and lots of bird life. Um, we, we see uh, egrets and cormorants and great blue herons and lots of awesome pelicans. Um, some of the more rare things that we'll see um, are bat rays. So bat rays swimming underneath the boards are magical to see. And probably the most elusive thing is the um, harbor porpoise, um, which were gone from the bay for 65 years. And just in the past 10 years, they've started coming back and occasionally we'll, we'll catch a sighting of them. They're a little more shy than dolphins. So once you see them, it's really hard to get a photograph because they'll see you and they'll, they'll scoot away. Um, I didn't hear any sharks in there. Uh, do you see them? Little ones, big ones? What's I have never seen a shark out in this area on the bay. So knock on wood, um, I don't know that 
they're there or not. I would imagine that there's there's opportunities for them to come around um, into the bay, but I have yet to see any. I have seen a whale though. Just over here past the Chase Center, uh, two years ago in November, I guess it was during a migration and a baby whale must have found its way in here and I saw it breach Whoa. maybe a hundred yards that from me. That is so cool. It was amazing. That is amazing and clay is what we're going to name the seal. Okay. That is clay the seal. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, with I, a K. I saw clay over at Mission Rock Resort. Apparently he's a, he's a kayaker. He's really into kayaking, um, but we were paddling up and he was just hanging out. He knows the owners of Mission Rock Resort, so he's kind of a regular over here. I just have a follow-up question for you. It's probably not advisable to start going out on your own, right? You should go with a buddy. Yes, I, I, I recommend... Um, always traveling in pairs if you're new to the bay um, and I would hope that your buddy has experience because two inexperienced people um, can create more of a hazard <laughs> um, for rescue purposes than um, uh, than just one. One of one of the the features that we've had with the club, in addition to all of the information that we share in the club, um, has been having um, regular community paddles. It started during the pandemic just as an opportunity to meet up and connect with other human beings in a safe and distant manner. So we did some fairly frequent community paddles back then, and we would have 40 or 50 people show up with their gear and go out. We um, we've done Halloween paddles with which are just magnificent to get people in costumes uh, out on their, their boards and their kayaks. And now we're doing a, a regular monthly paddle. So if somebody has taken one of our lessons at the shop or they're, um, you know, they've got a little bit of experience but they want to feel confident in going with the group or they just want the social experience, they can come the first Saturday of any month. We'll have one of our instructors out there and um, we go off for a 90-minute paddle, depending on the currents, which direction, um, and the conditions. And we'll, uh, we'll help people to improve their technique and um, just you know, feel safe and be with a group. Cool. So uh, we, were, we were novices, but um, how did we do? I think you guys did great. I think that, um, you know, it, it, as many people who have come to me, they, they say, I've been paddleboarding X number of times before. And the next question I always ask is, have you been trained to paddleboard? And most people haven't. Most people have been on a vacation and they pick up a paddleboard and it's not hard to hop on it and figure out how to stand up and paddle. The problem with that is that they don't get the full technique. And I teach people how to use their core and that um, really helps in people to control their boards and to be able to paddle, paddle longer distances um, because they have proper technique down. What was more stressful when um, Heather and I were going into the fishing lines or when Heather was backing into that boat um, as we were coming back? I would say they were both equally stressful, but I've seen, I've seen it so much that um, we're able to, to catch those things and give some directions. And fortunately, um, she did not touch the fishing line. And or the boat. Nor the boat. So. <laughs> What's the etiquette there? When we go into the fishing line, do I have to go get like a Bud Light and bring it out to the guy? Or There's a lot of apologies because they're on edge as it is. Um, and you'll get a lecture and you just have to sort of expect the lecture that they're there fishing and we're, it's our role to, to see their lines and go around them. Yeah. 
even though they are like threads and invisible. It's, that's why we anticipate. <laughs> and I always, you know, with the kids, we've never had an incident with the kids, knock on wood. Um, we usually go underneath the yeah. pier because most of the fishermen will cast their lines at the end of the pier. So usually we're going underneath the pier and most of the fishermen are quite friendly and seeing a group of 30 kids paddle underneath is sort of, you know, thrilling and fun for them to... Seeing two adults isn't so fun. Yeah, <laughs> not, not as cute. They're, 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 they're more willing to, to uh, yell at an adult. Yeah. Well, you've survived our serious questions, and now it's time for the lightning round. Oh, okay. Where in San Francisco do you go for your favorite burrito? Uh, La Taqueria. Nice. What's your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? My favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Um, Ant-Man. Where's your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? Um, that's a good question because I don't go out to drink that often these days and it's been so long <laughs> I, I would say Trick Dog uh -huh. has been sort of my stalwart but I, it's been a long time for me yeah. the, the, the pandemic has taken its toll <laughs> well your lifestyle is very healthy so that's good <laughs> what was your first concert? The Police Oh, nice. Oh, where and I at? still blast the police from the shop all the time. <laughs> oh, what, what tour and where at? This was in Atlantic City, New Jersey, probably in 1986 or 87. I've just dated myself. Yeah. Not, not that saying the police wouldn't date myself <laughs> as it is. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a fun thing to be uh, you know, 16, 17 years old and see the police. What's your all-time favorite paddle in the bay? Um, I would say that what we do every day for me, it never gets old. So I would take it further, go around the piers, come up to Mission Creek. But for me, if I'm going to clear my head, if I'm going to think on business, if I want to just get some exercise and be outdoors, I will paddle what on our map is the yellow and orange route. So I will go from here over to Pier 50, around the big boats, up um, McCovey Cove and Mission Creek and back. It's about a four and a half mile paddle. Um, and it's it's incredibly rewarding on all levels. Hmm. <laughs> uh, well, I have two questions um, adding to the lightning round. Uh, have you been in McCovey Cove during a game, and did you get a splash hit? Never got a splash hit, but I've been in McCovey Cove for many games, and we've actually been on, um, uh, on the TV broadcast. Somebody sent it to me the day of... I was with uh, the summer camp and we had you know, 15 kids paddling and the commentators were talking about us um, as we were paddling through the cove. Um, and then as soon as I landed back, somebody screenshot and <laughs> sent me the, the video from that. I hope you had your dog patch paddle camp shirt, you know, little advertising there. All the kids wear the dog patch paddle camp <laughs> life vest. So just in case Crook and Kipe are going to comment. On <laughs> we, we definitely got uh, some, some, uh, some love out of that. Uh, last question, if, and this is kind of complicated, but um, we're in a kind of trauma center situation with a transplanted heart in one of those little um, coolers, mm -hmm. and you need to get it to McCovey Cove quickly to save a life. Who are you sending, me, Heather, <laughs> or Heather's eight-year-old son? So it's definitely going to be Paul. <laughs> um, because Paul is, is has already done the paddle. Um, when he was in my spring break camp, um, he spent a week learning technique, and I'd put him up against all of us at this point. Yeah. I did not see where that question was headed, Peter. But yeah, nice you, I'm glad you went with it, because sometimes you'll just shoot me a look and I'll stop. <laughs> For real, last question. What is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? 
That is a good question. Um, I have this balcony that looks over this amazing cove. And even when the park wasn't here, I had an appreciation for my bay views. Now I, I basically live beachside. So every single day I will come out and I will just appreciate the nature, the beauty, the opportunity that this park gives, in addition to having given me a life, a mm -hmm. business. Yeah. I mean, it goes so far beyond that. So just finding appreciation in my day, and it's usually directed towards this magnificent view that we have. So how can people find you and um, how can they get started? So there's a couple different ways. Um, if somebody's an experienced paddler or they're wanting to learn um, and connect with other people, go onto the Facebook group, Dog Patch Paddle Club. Um, it's only open to city residents so that it's, it's a locals only sort of thing. Um, and my business, Dog Patch Paddle, um, is at dogpatchpaddle.com. They can come by the shop on 18th Street. Um, as well as look out for us in the park. Um, all summer long we'll be here renting equipment, offering lessons, doing the camps. We sell gear. We have a little provision shop inside and soon we're gonna re restart our summer Strauss soft serve, um, which draws lines um, uh, at the end of the day. So, awesome. Yeah, well, thank you. Touch. Thank you for joining us on the podcast and taking us out on the bay. Thank you guys for joining me. Um, you guys were fantastic. <laughs> you really did a great job and your technique looks solid. Okay. So. Awesome. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Total SF is a production of The Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pod.